Yeah, are there supply chain issues? Of course there are. We all know that, that you can't get certain things at certain times and, and uh, the shelves are empty. God knows I'd love to have a nice bag of baked glazed regular chips, but I can't find them anywhere because apparently <laughs> they don't make them any damn more. Is uh, that the example that you want to go with? That's the example I'm going with because that's affects the moon household. Okay? All right. If you saw the signing on Monday in the, at the White House, you saw Republicans and Democrats that were there. Um, and that's because it is a once in a generation uh, infusion, investment uh, in our infrastructure, in America's infrastructure. All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. Another. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say another because it just lumps it in line with all the rest of the shows that we've done. And this is probably going to be the greatest ever. Um, <laughs> um, uh, it's it's so good. I, it's We should charge. We should charge for this one, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Alabama Politics This Week. I'm Josh Moon. The uh, person you hear chuckling at me, uh, which is uh, the norm, uh, is... David Person. David right. Person. Yeah. And, and, and I actually agree this is going to be a great show because yeah. uh, we got a great guest and we got some real really good topic that's right we have uh, terry sewell representative terry sewell is going to join us to talk about the good things that uh, congressional democrats have done for you uh and for the rest of the country even those who are resisting it um and uh and, and she's right in the middle of votes uh right now and so she's gonna hop on and so we're, we're kind of in it's gonna be weird this is almost radio-esque that we're doing mm-hmm. here because we we've got we have a caller that's gonna a call-in <laughs> guest who's gonna pop on at any minute and uh, uh so but she's trying to uh, she was very kind she's squeezing us in between there literally she's literally right now on the house floor voting uh you could watch her on c-span if you wanted to while we're recording this and so she's in between two votes she's going to pop on with us talk about what's going on and what's happened with the uh the infrastructure plan uh in in congress and um and and what it's done for the state of alabama and some other things uh that are going on and so we're very happy to have her uh to have her on here and uh we've got a whole other list of list of topics and really it's it's kind of Christmas-esque. I mean, we're getting you in line. We're getting you ready for the holiday season. We're just givers. We're givers. We are givers. Uh, we are we're in we're giving now, spirit today. Especially. We are going to take a little bit because next week we're going to be out. <laughs> we, we're, you know, we're not doing a Thanksgiving show. I'm sorry. No, uh, no So, no. yeah, yeah. So, we, listen, we got stuff to do, man. Uh, we got. I have turkey to eat. David does not eat turkey. No. Um, uh, and so, or, you know, any other meat, uh, he's trying to save the planet and be healthy. There uh, you go. Know, so like a true uh, liberal, like a true <laughs> liberal. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Looking out for all of you by sacrificing, uh, himself. Uh, that's right. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do yeah. with liberals, except yeah. for me. I don't, I don't care about any of y'all. So I'm eating meat. Um, but, uh, no, have you, uh, I've noticed, man, and I, I said, I'll, I'll be honest and be upfront. We, we've got the Christmas decorations up here at the moon household. Um, uh, okay. so we're, we're out in front a little bit. Normally it's Thanksgiving. We're, we're a week ahead. And, uh, but, um, I've noticed that that is not uncommon this year. It seems like more so than, than any other year that I can recall, people are really on top of the Christmas stuff all, all of a sudden and, uh, getting out in front of it. I don't know if they're just... You know, I don't know if they're in the spirit or if it's just something they're looking for, you know, to cheer themselves up with. I, I don't really know what the what the deal is, but I like think it, I think a lot of it is cheer. And then when you've yeah. got a house with children and you oh, have yeah. a child, you know, that 
you know, you you know, you and your wife have a, a little one. Uh, mm-hmm. My son has grown, so I don't have that issue. But um, I think it's a different kind of situation because, yeah. uh, you know, these have been a tough couple of years. Yeah. And so I think uh, I think there probably is a, a need and a, and a desire for, you know, to create some some real exuberance, uh, you know, not only because of, of how tough the years have been, but because we also seem to be. And of mm-hmm. course, we'll really know after we get through this holiday season. But we seem to be turning a corner, you know, based on yeah. the dropping infection rates, you know. Yeah, it. Um, you're right, and I, you know what? I, I think that that's right. I, I, I'm not really considered that until you started talking about it right there. But I think you're probably right. I think even if people don't recognize it, I think there's a lot of anticipation uh, of kind of getting back together, and, and and even in families where you know it's a mix of of liberals and and conservatives and things, you know, anti-vaxxers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Though the most of the people that that are big believers in the science and stuff, they feel a little bit better about doing the family stuff because they themselves can vaccinate, you know, and, um, and, and can protect themselves and and most of their kids. And, uh, and so I think there's a, there's a big return to somewhat of a normalcy this year. You're, you're probably right about that. And I think people are looking forward to to doing that. I know, you know, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we've, uh, we've got the, we've got the stuff up and ready, ready to go. So, uh, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, uh, speaking of Christmas and gifts that one of the gifts in, uh, that keeps giving, this the whole year round, uh, like uh, Clark and the Jelly of the Month Club, um, is um, is Alabama politics mm-hmm. and particularly Republicans in Alabama mm-hmm. politics. Uh, mm-hmm. And they gave again this week in a court filing from the Attorney General's office. Copious uh, amounts. Copious. Yes, yes. Copious heaping uh, helping service. Yeah, and it uh, revealed for the first time uh, that uh, from prison. Mike Hubbard's still pulling the legislative strings uh, like the Godfather or somebody like Richie Aprile from The Sopranos, uh, uh, yes. trying to trying to keep up with uh, you know what's going on on the outside. He's still pulling the strings and getting people to do his bidding on the outside. Almost hijacked uh, the prison ses- uh, the prison special session and uh, and was trying to get language inserted into a criminal justice reform bill that would have allowed him to go free. Uh, and I presumably others to go free mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and he also had these other plots uh, where he was working. They were he and his, some of his old pals were working with a guy to write a very kind law review article uh, uh, to to be put in some journals that they would then use to write press releases and you know get friendly press people to do stories for them. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, their other plan was this letter that he sent to the court, uh, in which he apologized and took full responsibility for all of his uh, things that he'd done and which they caught him on tape saying, yeah, that was BS. I didn't do anything wrong. And they didn't know, mean it. uh, yeah, it didn't mean it. he held his nose and signed it. He actually said, according yeah. to the, to the filing, I, man, I, you know, I've covered this for a long time. And so, and I've been up close to it for a long time. Uh, I know our producer, our nameless producer has as well uh, and was, was deeply involved in a lot of that stuff. And so what I'm interested in is I know, well, you follow politics and you've been around, you're a news guy and, and you, you know stuff, you know, obviously, but you're, you're, you aren't in Montgomery. You weren't mm-hmm. following it every day, day in, day out, writing stories and columns about Mike Hubbard and what was going on there. So I wonder when you saw those stories this week about what was going on, what were your impressions and what were your thoughts? 
Uh, my first thought was, boy, this guy has a set on him. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, brass balls, kahunas, man. I mean, this guy has a set on him. You know, the, the idea that he would, of, of all of the things, I mean, I, the lying, well, that's pretty pro forma in, mm-hmm. in politics, you know, um, you know, people lie, you know, mm-hmm. so, okay, he lied, he said some stuff he didn't really mean, yeah, you know, whatever, that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty common. But the idea that he actually tried to, from the jailhouse, from behind the prison bars, that he actually tried to engineer a legislative process that was ironically about prisons. Yes. From yes. a man who's in prison yeah. so that he could get out of prison. That's a set of balls, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, the dude, I'll say this, man. He, I, I, I don't know what hold he has over people because God knows he's not been able to do anything for anybody for the last uh-huh. four or five years. You know, his yeah. power has been completely stripped away. He doesn't, doesn't have any jobs to offer people. He's not influencing anything to, for the most part. But this power that he seems to still wield over so many people, I mean, it. what kind of weak-ass people are we putting in our legislature that mm-hmm. they would not stand up to this guy at this point, even to a powerless man that he is? What, what? Who are we electing that wouldn't stand up and say, no, man, this is not right? What are you talking about? No way. Right. Uh, it's just they were willing to – there were some people that were willing to go along with this thing. And And I would imagine, and I could be wrong, but I would imagine that – his political career, I mean, it's not like when he gets out of prison, he's got a career in politics waiting for him. I just don't see that being no, he likely. No, he can, he can never hold office again. Okay, so, so, so because he was committed, he committed a felony, so yeah. he can't even hold office again. Right, there he you can, go. Yeah. So he, he's either, I mean, he can be a consultant, obviously, right. or he could be, I assume he could be the head of the Republican Party, uh, which they would probably gleefully elect him at this point. You think uh, so? I, oh, I, it, man, when he was facing this stuff and they uh-huh. knew full well that he was guilty, that man overwhelmingly won Speaker of the House again. Overwhelmingly won Speaker of the House again. They reelected him Speaker of the House That's good with, with nobody voting against him. So, well, I'll take it back. There was one person who voted against him. Now, I mean, Democrats wanted to vote for him, wanted them to make it because they wanted to hold that over their heads. Right. Uh, so, so they just went ahead and voted for him, except for one. Alvin Holmes, because Alvin Holmes did what Alvin Holmes wanted to do and then made a speech about it. And it was probably, <laughs> God, I miss Alvin. I miss Alvin so much. Oh, I miss those yeah. phone calls from Alvin. Josh, <laughs> let me tell you what's going on down here. And, uh, uh, oh, miss hey, that's so pretty much. good. You did a pretty yeah. good Alvin Holmes there. That's, that, that wasn't too shabby. <laughs> Germany, Germany, what's wrong with the beer we got here? It drank yeah. pretty good, don't it? Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's 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 not bad. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, uh, it's uh, listen. I I I had I still got voicemails from Alvin. Uh, that's mm. uh, that's you know because that was that was one funny guy and mm. uh, and I, I liked him a lot and uh, he was, he was uh, yeah unique yeah unique yeah, character in Alabama politics and I think he I, he, let me he tell represented you. a lot of good. He did, and let me yeah. tell you this: Alvin played a role. Mm-hmm. There uh, and he played this role sometimes of almost jester, 
uh, where he would get up and make these these grand speeches and say these things that were just out of you know out of some out of line, uh, mm-hmm. you know some things that were just shocking to people and uh, all that. Alvin's one of the smartest dudes that ever walked in that door at that at the state house. Uh, no, he I, could tie people in knots over the rules and the laws and stuff. He knew yeah. exactly the history of everything that went on in that thing. And when he went to the microphone, if you went up there against him, you knew you were about to have your ass handed to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I think he was sharp. I think he was. Uh, I think he was a little. Um, there were times when I felt he was a little. Uh, What's the word I want to use? Uh, maybe a little too provocative at times, mm-hmm. but but in terms of his competence, in terms of mm-hmm. his passion for his his district, and for just to be blunt, the plight of black people in Alabama. I mean, yeah. Alvin Holmes was it, man. Now, yeah. I you know I gotta say, um, I don't remember. So help me to remember. Uh, did he die? Was his death COVID related? Because it was during the, it was during the, you know, 2020. Yeah. I don't believe it was. Okay. Uh, but I'm not, I, I would have to go back and look, you know, there's been so many COVID deaths uh, yeah. and, and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of deaths among, you know, uh, lawmakers and stuff, you know, with the, uh, I, I know, I know Thad McClammy's death and which by, by the way, we should mention here, I hate to do it inside of a, a segment in which we started off talking about Mike Hubbard, uh, but Penny McClammy, uh, Thad McClammy's daughter has, has won that seat, uh, oh. hit her father's old seat there, uh, that she ran unopposed. And so, uh, she was awarded the seat, uh, on Wednesday. Okay. Um, and so she, she will be the next representative for that district that her father once represented and represented very, very well. I like Thad McClammy a, a whole lot. He was another very, very smart guy and, and was not, not in the Alvin Holmes camp. He didn't make the grand speeches and things like that. He was very quiet and very respected guy. Uh, and, and Penny's the same way. She'll, she'll do very, very well in that. And I think a lot of people around the city of Montgomery really like her a lot. I like her a lot. And she's, uh, just a, just a very nice and competent person. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we, we could use a lot more uh, people like her in, in the legislature. So that the, the district there in Montgomery would be well served with her, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, if I would have to go back and look at, at, uh, at Alvin's uh, obituary and things and, and, and make sure, but I, I don't think it was, I don't recall that, but, um, you know, he, he was, he was quite a character and, you know, there, there are a lot of people, and this what always gets me about, uh, the state of politics, here in Alabama is that there are a lot of people that hold a very poor opinion of Alvin Holmes um, that would not hold the same opinion of Mike Hubbard. And I think we have a good idea why that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, let's just, but let's just go ahead and say it directly. Race. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and say it directly. Yeah. Because, right. and, uh, and Alvin stood up for things, you know, stood up right. for, for um, racial issues and spoke out against them. Uh, and, and, and the people don't like that. All right. But but here's the thing. And I think the point you're making is is extremely important because we can disagree with people over politics. Mm -hmm. But one thing we can say is, at least to my knowledge, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not aware of Alvin Holmes ever even remotely been accused of anything that uh, was scandalous or that, you know, related to money or sex or any of the typical traps that fought politicians fall into. Yeah. 
You may yeah, not have yeah, the only thing I can recall was that deal with him at um, where he was teaching classes, and they said he 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 didn't uh, he didn't m- make classes all the time as a professor, and uh, you know, and and so he he wasn't uh, coming as much as he should. But that all seemed very very contrived to me that uh, they were just kind of looking for things. I mean, there are a lot of well, professors, especially you know, especially professors that also are, are given the job because they have experience in in right. some real world profession. Uh, that, that don't make that. I don't think that that would be even remotely relies, r- rises to the level of corruption. Oh, hell you no. know, uh, you know, I, in fact, I dare say <laughs> there are a lot of college professors that don't make classes often yeah, oh, as yeah. they should, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, you got, you got people that have a problem with Alvin Holmes because they didn't like his positions on race. And so they despised him. But then they don't despise somebody who's convicted, who's a convicted criminal, a felon, you know, who used his office, you know, based on the conviction, he used his office for his own personal gain and for the gain of those around him. And then as if as if we didn't have enough reason to be concerned about him and to feel that he should be relegated to the the lowest rungs of Alabama history, the guy tries to do the same thing from prison. It yeah. really is an affirmation of who the court said he was. He just he just basically said, yeah, I'm that guy. And in yep. case you don't believe it here, I'm going to try again from prison. <laughs> yes. You know? Hey. It's a, I'll tell you, man, it, it is a, it's a very childish mindset that yeah. seem that, that, that Hubbard seems to hold, uh, that, uh, you know, he cannot, he cannot wrap his head around the fact that he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when he has his closest friends and advisors saying, man, you shouldn't do this. You mm-hmm. shouldn't do this. And that's what happened. Now that was, you know, that deal that I wrote about in the column that I wrote about this, about how, you know, one, one of the, one of the things he was convicted of was inserting language into the general fund budget for the state that gave a monopoly on uh, Medicaid prescription drugs to one pharmacy company in the state of Alabama. And that pharmacy company just happened to have paid Mike Hubbard more than $100,000 in consulting fees over the course of the last several months prior leading up to that vote, leading Mm -hmm. up to him inserting that language in there. Now, there was no reason for a pharmacy company to pay Mike Hubbard consulting fees. He had no, he had no, knowledge of anything, uh, uh, you know, pharmacy. related to pharmacy. The dude was a communications guy. He ran a damn radio station, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. if you were, now listen, if somebody come in and said, well, I'm, this communications company had paid him a hundred thousand, I'd be like, well, okay, I can understand mm-hmm. that. He didn't have any, he didn't have anything to do with, with pharmacies, uh, or, or cups, you know, yeah, there was another contract he had or a gas company. He had, they were giving him things because they wanted influence in the legislature. And mm-hmm. he provided that. Now, mm-hmm. I'm even OK with people taking some some level of consulting contracts. And it never as long as it does not show up in legislation mm-hmm. uh, on things, as long as you're not giving them an advantage in legislation. I'm, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with you earning a living. Now, I, you know, I think some other people would have some problems with that, namely the Ethics Commission, assuming that they're not asleep. Uh, but, right. um, you know, I, this but this issue here. Is uh, it, that's what he did. 
That's what he did. He went in and, and put this in there, and the people were around him were like, "Hey, man, you shouldn't, you you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that." I mean, they testified to this in court mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. said, "Look, you you know, I told him you shouldn't do that. I can't be a part of this." One guy got up and walked out of the room and said, "I can't be a part of this." Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and he did it anyway, and he got convicted well, of that. And if you can't on the backside see that that shit was wrong. There's right. something wrong with your brain, man. Well, well, I think there's something wrong, not only on the backside, but on the front side. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, that's just, that's just sort of like corruption 101, you know, <laughs> that you get a, you get a contract quote unquote, uh-huh. you know, with a company and then, and then, uh, and then miraculously, you know, you uh, you sponsor or help to shuttle through legislation that benefits mm-hmm. this company. That's corruption yeah. 101. Of course it is. And listen, a jury in Lee County, where Mike Hubbard was from, where they elected him overwhelmingly, all right, time after time, they, they, they loved the guy there. A jury there in that county looked at everything and said, that's wrong. All right, mm-hmm. what he did clearly violates the law, and we're going to convict him of it. Uh, and they found 12 of those, okay? 12 felonies. That's what he was originally convicted of. Now, right. you know, the Supreme Court, his pals, knocked off six of them. Well, mm-hmm. the you know, the appellate court knocked off one, the Supreme Court knocked off five. So he was down to six or whatever. But, it, you know, man, that's still a hell of a lot of felonies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, still, that's still a half dozen felonies, you know? And so, it, and on the, but I'm just on the back side of that. I mean, I understand what you're saying. You, you, you make a great point uh, that, uh, you know, corruption 101. But even after you've been convicted, even mm-hmm. after all this is going on, you read those comments from him. He yeah. is clearly convinced in his mind that he did nothing wrong, that he did nothing. This is the way things are supposed to be. And, I, and let me tell you the other problem that I have. And, the, okay. and this is the problem that I have with a lot of people there, not just my cupboard, mm-hmm. is that if you read through all of those emails that were presented in court and look at everything that he wrote back and forth to Bob Riley and whoever the hell else he was writing to, you know, it was never about what he could do for, for the people of Alabama. But what he could do for the working man, what he could do for the all these poor people Mm -hmm. that don't have don't have medical coverage and all these poor people that are unemployed and, and, you know, the poor schools that we have was never about that. It was Mm -hmm. always about how I'm losing. I can't make as much money as I want to uh, or what, you know, it's it's all it was all about the greed of of rewarding himself and people like him who Mm -hmm. were already doing well. I mean, that's something should have been whistling through places, handing out hundred dollar bills. You know, I mean, really. (laughs) with the the life he was leading. I mean, honestly, he had healthy kids, a great house, a great wife with a great job. I mean, no worries in the world about anything. And he Mm -hmm. was over there just whining like he was a bum living on the street. I mean, it was just, it's the greed is just so unimaginable to me. I mean, you know. So so we got a a high level of greed, Josh. And we also have, if I may add to that, we have also a humongous sense of entitlement. Yes. Because this is somebody who apparently felt like it was okay for him to leverage his elected position presented to him courtesy of the taxpayers to benefit himself personally in ways that 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 not only go above and beyond his job responsibility as a legislator mm-hmm. conf- and conflict with his job as a as a legislator but put him really in a position where he's basically using the very people that sent him to office without their knowledge and consent. 
Yeah. You know, so if the people of, of, of um, you know, of his district had said, you know what, Mike, man, we love the job you're doing so much. We're going to give you a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, I don't know if that's ethical or not, but let's just say for the sake of argument, yeah, you know, it's the people. It's a gift from mm-hmm. the people. It's done in public. They want to do that. They want to show him love and respect or whatever. Yeah. That would be one thing. But for him to secretly work deals yeah. at the on, on the taxpayers at the taxpayers' expense for himself, that is corruption. Plain yeah. and simple. Oh, it is. And and you know, and but and to be honest, the, the, the taxpayers did say, We like the job you're doing so much, so we're gonna give you seventy thousand dollars a year and health insurance and uh, you know what, all these benefits that for a cool. part time job. For a part time mm-hmm. job, you know, mm-hmm. they're there what, three months? And so mm-hmm. That's all they're supposed to do. Now, I understand he had other responsibilities that he took on, but at the same time, you know, it, that, this is, he could still run a full-time business outside of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, that, and we, listen, we've got a lot of people in our legislature that do the same things, okay, and have the same mindset. And if you don't get rid of those people, we're never going to get over the, our state and the way we are. Uh, here, the problems that we have, because we have a whole lot of people that are worried about themselves and worried about how how they can help people like them. And they don't do anything. They can't imagine a life outside of their own and they don't even try to. Um, You know, it it is it's not that Mike Hubbard was trying to hurt poor people or working people. It said he didn't give a shit about it. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't care. He didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't even enter his thought process when he was talking about things. He didn't. It did. It, it was maybe there was a byproduct of you know if I give you know a business owner an extra tax break, maybe he'll hire some more people. Maybe that entered his mind somewhere, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to help people like him. So maybe on the backside, they would help him in some way. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, he and, said. He said in. Uh... One of his exchanges or conversations, I can't remember which one, he said, I just don't see how I screwed the state of Alabama. Yeah. So that tells you a lot about who he really is, because um, he apparently thinks, you know, and, and you know, Republicans sometimes uh, like to do a whole lot of talk about uh, the swamp and the trough and other euphemistic uh, expressions that are supposed to be pointing to the corruption of government. Mm-hmm. But Mike, Mike Hubbard, based on his convictions, based on this treasure trove of information that has been revealed to us by a Republican attorney general, yeah. it's very clear that Mike Hubbard really is the poster boy, the embodiment of corrupt state politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just one. Oh, this is corruption. I keep saying it is corruption 101 because he's just apparently he just, you know, you, you, you talked about the mafia earlier, you know, some some fictional mafia uh, references you made earlier at the top mm-hmm. of the podcast. I mean, apparently that's how he sees himself yeah. as somebody who's just supposed to be able to benefit, you know, uh, benefit. Over and beyond, over and above and beyond what he's entitled to, and yeah. I guess he feels that way because maybe he got the popular vote. I don't know. I would love to know why he thinks 
that he's he's entitled to these sorts of benefits when they clearly conflict with his job. I would really like to know what his thoughts are on that. You know, in the in those filings, uh, you know, that they had uh, earlier in his case, uh, the emails that came back from, uh, you know, from between him and Bob Riley, where he was whining about things, it was it was pretty apparent uh, in those emails that um, he 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 did feel this entitlement that he had there because he had done so much for the business community and made Alabama a business friendly state and how he just wasn't even allowed to make any money on anything. And what were we thinking by passing these ethics laws? Uh, mm-hmm. He literally said that in an email. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it just is, it, it, it was so, I mean, it's kind of, if, if you read those as anybody, any kind of a voter, it had to be so off putting, you know, to hear somebody say those things. And I, look, you gotta, I'm telling you, man, if you don't start, if people don't stop electing these folks that do these things, and because there, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there are more of them. They may not be as bold uh, and as delusional as Mike Hubbard, but there, there are a lot of people that think along the same lines and they're running government right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't get them out, then we're, we're never going to get past this. But, all right, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Uh, we'll come back here in, uh, in a couple minutes uh, and get uh, Congresswoman Terry Sewell on with us and, uh, and talk about uh, all the good things that uh, the Democrats are doing, uh, especially for the state, despite the Republicans here. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Alabama Politics This Week. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at Alabama Politics This Week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or you know, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever. Whatever your question may be, uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm election. So shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. And we are, we are happy. Uh, I mean, really, really happy. Uh, and I wish we could have recorded the pre-conversation uh, but because that would have showed you exactly how happy we are to have uh, Representative Terry Sewell along with us. Because, And, and really, honestly, the, the main reason that, that I am happy about this is because when you look down the list of, of Congress people from the state of Alabama who are actually doing things for the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. the list is basically one. <laughs> and, it's, uh, <laughs> and it's Representative Terry Sewell. And listen, I know you're right in the middle of votes. We really do appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, Josh. It's actually my pleasure. Um, you know, we're on the cusp of uh, yet another transformative piece of legislation uh, getting across the finish line, the Build Back Better Act. And, um, you know, President Biden said that he was going to deliver for the American people. And the fact of the matter is, six weeks into his administration, we delivered the American Rescue Plan, which, uh, you know, I, I, I know you've been following me as I go across my, dis- my district delivering checks since I was the only person in the Alabama delegation to vote in favor of the American Rescue Plan. Likewise, I'm looking forward to doing some, a similar uh, tour um, through my district, and I should be doing it through the state of Alabama on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's going to bring something like $5.2 billion dollars just to the state of Alabama for roads and another 225 for bridges. 
Yeah, I, and I, I want, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you was because you were the lone vote for that infrastructure plan. And that infrastructure plan has been praised far and wide uh, by people who actually do business in the state of Alabama. Uh, the head of the Road Builders Association talked about how this was just a, a unique once in a lifetime uh, plan uh, for them uh, to cut, you know, to get the money and the funding that they desperately need to come in and fix Alabama's crumbling roads. I mean, we, we score really, really low in our infrastructure based on, on the terrible situation with our roads in certain places. And so this is a, a transformative thing that, that will last for a long time. Also included in there is a hundred million dollars for broadband. Broadband. Um, yeah. I, I think I mean, all of us know. I think that this pandemic laid bare uh, systemic disinvestments that have occurred in broadband, especially in rural America, rural Rural, uh, the rural black belt uh, that I represent. And so this is an opportunity for us to get connectivity and access uh, to every Alabamian. And, you know, for me, this is about jobs, right? It's also, you know, to me, the it's a win-win situation. You're creating jobs right now um, and stimulating the economy, but you're building the roads and bridges and water infrastructure and, and, and internet infrastructure for the future. So you really are, it's a win-win all the way around. And I'm, I'm just proud to have voted for this. And I'm proud that it was truly bipartisan. As you know, 19 senators, Republican senators joined um, the Democratic senators to actually draft this bill. And when it came over on the House side, um, yeah, all the, all the Democrats voted for it, but so did, um, well, most of the Democrats voted for it, um, but, um, but so did 13 Republicans. Um, and so I was very proud to vote for it. Uh, I represent inner city and underserved communities in Montgomery and Birmingham um, and Tuscaloosa and my hometown of Selma. But I also, as you all know, come from the Black Belt and I have nine Black Belt counties in my district. I'm a proud product of the Black Belt. And for me, um, every day I wake up trying to figure out how I can provide better opportunities and more resources to the people back home. Um, I think that my life stands as a, as a living testament, really, to what's possible with resources and opportunity. Um, and so that's our job. Um, my, my staff knows that we roll up our sleeves every day and we try to make sure that um, we're putting in provisions in bills that are moving that will help all Alabamians, but especially the ones in our district. And this infrastructure um, bill has in it um, several of the tenants of bills that I've um, actually introduced water infrastructure, you know, uh, the crisis in water and sewer in rural parts of Alabama, like Lowndes County and, and, and frankly, in the wiregrass and in and parts of, um, you know, uh, a, a rural uh, Alabama and the South generally. I mean, this, this issue really does cross party lines. No one in America should live um, in and not have basic access to a clean water, clean air. Um, and, and to be able to flush their toilet and know that it's not going to go outside uh, into the soil or, or, or um, you know, into the rivers nearby. So it's just really important that, um, that we get that right. And I've worked um, across the aisle for many years to try to do something about this wastewater um, uh, infrastructure, especially in, in Lowndes County. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned that you were the only one. 
uh, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm noticing that, and there were only what not 19 uh, Republicans that voted for it. But I'm noticing a lot of Republicans taking credit for a lot of stuff all of a sudden uh, out of the infrastructure plan that they seem to be very proud of. Uh, you know, <laughs> coming back into their including district. one of my including one of my colleagues in Alabama uh, <laughs> trying to take credit for the Northern Beltline being yeah, uh, yeah, that's turned out really well for him, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, though, I was tell- talking to our staff. It's going to be so important that we um, get in front of the governor and the state legislature, the priorities that the Alabama 7th Congressional District need um, from Highway 43 to, um, you know, resurfacing in Choctaw County and bridge replacements in Dallas County, um, bridge replacements in, in Pickens and in Green. You know, I could go on and on. Um, we, we are presenting to um, ALDOT and to the governor's office the list that's, you know, that, that, that directly impacts Alabama's 7th District since I was the only one to vote in favor of it. We wanna make sure that our priorities are met and that the folks uh, in, my, in my district get more than their fair share <laughs> of mm-hmm. uh, this money that's coming to Alabama. We gotta stay on it and make sure that Alabama is being accountable uh, for this resources. Um, I know you know that I was very upset that $400 million of the American Rescue Plan from the state of Alabama went to building prisons. And that's absolutely not why I risk life and limb, David, <laughs> Josh. So, you know, uh, in order to, uh, in order to, in order to make sure that, that the folks back home in Alabama had the resources they need to get through this pandemic and to truly rescue folks that needed help uh, during this pandemic. And so, you know, that's what that money was for. And uh, President Biden promised that there would be another round that would be about rebuilding. And that's exactly what the bipartisan infrastructure bill is all about. It's not it's rescue and recovery and, and, and also trying to you know, build back this economy better. And, and we can do that both with physical infrastructure and now we're taking up social uh, infrastructure. Um, you know, I'm excited about the prospects of build back better. Um, everything from universal pre-K for three and four-year-olds, um, that would be transformational um, when you think about the educational needs of the folks in Alabama, uh, as well as um, you know, universal pre-K, lowering prescription drugs. Um, how about more resources for childcare? Um, putting in an infrastructure that would allow working families, working moms and dads to be able to ha- know that they have safe um, and uh, and secure, you know, childcare for their for their children. Um, that's just critically important. I also, in that in this particular bill, the Build Back Better Act, really, really uh, fought to get in the provisions, um, you know, um, extending the um, the premium tax credits for healthcare so that we can close that Medicaid coverage gap that exists not just in Alabama. But in the other 12, you know, 11 states, we're one of 12 states that did not expand Medicaid. And I know you know that I've been a big voice on that um, over the years and will continue to be a huge voice on that because I know that 300,000 Alabamians fall in that gap. And we're talking about people who go to work every day. That's right. They, they go to work every day and, you know, they don't make enough money to, um, to be able to afford their own health insurance. But they make too much money to be a part of, you know, Alabama's very, I mean, you have to be truly like eight, make only $8,000 a year. $8,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In order to to fall in the, the, to to get Medicaid from the state of Alabama, it's a bare bone minimum, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in terms of the benefits that are 
a part of the Medicaid in Alabama. I mean, it, the state just does the, the bare minimum in order to get federal coverage for, for Medicaid. And it's really unacceptable, especially in this day and age when we have, when we live in a country that is the greatest country on this earth. And, you know, we have gazillionaires um, that make so much money that they, you know, can, you know, uh, they can send send aircraft send send rockets up to the moon just so that they can go visit it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we should we should mm -hmm. just you know and 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 that's what you know when people talk about the the fact that we have this build back better and it's going to be about one point seven five trillion and we just passed the one point two trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill. I just tell them you know we paid for it. I'm a member of Ways and Means and um, you know and committee. We we actually went through and we really. Um, you know, through taxing more fairly uh, the wealthy, uh, the top 1%, of which I don't represent anybody in my district that's in the top 1%. <laughs> um, and, um, and also by making corporations pay their fair share. The fact is that Amazon and there's so many Fortune 500 companies that literally pay zero tax. Um, you know, they have all these accountants on hand that can help them go through all these loopholes. And, and then on top of that, uh, the Republicans in 2017 voted for this huge tax cut that, you know, took the corporate rate, uh, you know, from 35% down to 21. Now, look, I'm all about making sure our companies in, Al in Alabama and in America are competitive globally. But, uh, you know, to go from 25, I mean, 35% to, um, to uh, 21% was huge. And it cost, uh, it cost a lot of money. And so by going back up to 25, it's still competitive. It's a still a competitive rate, um, but it gives us some money to actually implement um, infrastructure, to implement um, some of these really important um, safety net programs that at the end of the day is about spurring our economy. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, had a, a meeting this morning with Janet Yellen, the Secretary of Treasury, to talk about inflation, but also to talk about equity. Um, you know, one of the things that the Biden administration has been talking about is equitable distribution of these kinds of resources. Right. And to me, that's not just about race. It's about, you know, um, economics. Right. Uh, we want to make sure that that this is not a race to the bottom, but that we're lifting up all Americans and we're building out the middle class. Right. And, and lifting up people. And so, um, yeah, so I uh, I think that we have our hands full on that. But I also know that when we get that money, Josh, we have to make sure that the state of Alabama is using it uh, wisely and that it's distributing it equitably. Sure. Representative Sewell, I want to ask you about, uh, you, you referenced one of your colleagues. You didn't name uh, that colleague, but, <laughs> but I'm going to name this colleague. Uh, Congressman Adderholt has made it a point to trot out this line that Republicans uh, seem to be favoring when it comes to the infrastructure bill. They like to say that only 10% of the bill actually addresses infrastructure. And I'm going to quote him here. He says the other 90% goes to liberal wish list items like the Green New Deal. Um, I think that's a load of crap, but I want to know what you think. Well, I, I agree with you. It's simply not true. Um, you know, the bulk of the bi bipartisan infrastructure bill that was actually negotiated by five Democratic senators and five Republican senators, including Senator Manchin, including 
you know, Senator Portman. Um, and if you saw the signing on Monday in the, at the White House, you saw Republicans and Democrats that were there. Um, and that's because it is a once in a generation uh, infusion, investment uh, in our infrastructure, in America's infrastructure. So 90%, let me repeat that, only about 10% um, of, the, of it really goes towards uh, energy conservation, which is important. I believe in climate change, and I, I do believe that we have to get our, our greenhouse gas emissions down. And we, we in Alabama have to broaden our options of energy to include renewables. That is just the wave of the future. And I'm going to, you know, you know, I think that um, it's important that we get there. But, you, you know, if you, if you look at the fact that several of the most progressive members of the Democratic Party didn't vote for this bipartisan infrastructure deal because it didn't include, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the major tenants of this Green New Deal. It was really about um, addressing some of the infrastructure when we're talking about electric vehicles um, and, you know, making sure we have charging stations and things like that. You know, when you think about the Green New Deal, I think of, you know, them going really overboard and insisting on solar and, and wind. And there was none of that in this bill. Instead, this bill was about roads, bridges. It was about um, uh, uh, Internet, broadband. It was, you know, really about the physical infrastructure that, that all of us can agree has been crumbling. I mean, we haven't had this kind of infusion of capital um, just for infrastructure, physical infrastructure. Um, since Eisenhower. I mean, that's just unacceptable when we think about all of the, the crumbling um, roads and bridges. And I can't tell you how many bridges in my district alone need to be replaced. If I hear about another school bus that has to go around, uh, um, you know, and kids have to wake up an hour earlier just to go around some of these county roads instead of going across some of these bridges because they are crumbling. Um, it's just simply unacceptable. So I, I'm I'm excited about giving my my list over. I got I got my list over to Aldon <laughs> of, of the of the of the physical infrastructure that um, that I want to make sure that are, are prioritized in my district. And you know I I you know I I say to my colleagues if they they don't want that infrastructure in their districts up. Uh, we can send it all over to the seventh <laughs> congressional district, and I'm sure Birmingham and Montgomery and Tuscaloosa and Selma. And, and Camden, and I can definitely use it. I always want to say real quick, it's all politics, yeah. because if I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the Trump administration have about 300 infrastructure weeks that never got anything Absolutely. done? Yeah. Literally never yeah. passed anything. And yeah. so yeah. the fact that we actually got it across the finish line um, is just, is nothing short of miraculous, really. And the fact that it was uh, bipartisan, we had Republicans in the House and Republicans in the Senate that, um, had to compromise in order to get this across the finish line. So none of us got exactly what we want, but all of us can agree that this is a job creation. I mean, think about all of the jobs that are going to be created in the state of Alabama. Road, you know, just mm -hmm. construction and roads and the cement, you know, all pavers, all of that resurfacing will be um, that money. I also want to make sure that, you know, that when we're giving out those contracts that we're looking out for some minority contractors yeah. as well. Um, once again, spreading the equity. There's going to be a lot of money flowing. Yeah. And I want to make sure that uh, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, veterans-owned businesses um, get their fair shares. Absolutely. Let, let's, uh, let's take a turn here and go to Lowndes County. I was actually down there a couple of weeks ago and saw firsthand 
the situation that you described earlier, where you have uh, the straight piping of, uh, of uh, waste from a, a trailer that looked like it was, um, uh, well, it, I don't want to say infested, but certainly had been assaulted by black mold and other things. Uh, it's, a, it's a heartbreaking thing to see, to realize that hardworking, good people uh, are living uh, with these circumstances, something that should be preventable and shouldn't certainly shouldn't be the case in a so-called first world country. So my question to you is, with this Department of Justice investigation that is set to begin, um, well, I guess I have a two-part question. One, what do you see as the likely outcome here in terms of how the people of Lowndes County and other vulnerable areas will benefit? And then two, what can we do with the Alabama Department of Public Health and ADEM and the other state entities that really, honestly, should be handling this, should have been handled it? What can we do to make sure that they are accountable from here on out? Well, let me just first start by saying that um, my maternal grandparents, my mother grew up in Lowndes County. My maternal grandparents are buried in Lowndes County. My grandfather and, my, uh, and his father and the father before that, so three generations of gardeners, pastored churches in Lowndes County. This is very personal to me. And we... Um, have been trying to make sure that we get septic tanks down there, that we get um, a, more money in, the, in, in any kind of thing that's moving, whether it's an appropriation on wastewater. When Doug was in office uh, on the uh, Senate side, we actually passed a rural septic tank act, which um, provided um, you know, several million dollars just for septic tanks. The problem is that we have to find trusted um, community partners to administer, choosing my words carefully, administer <laughs> uh, this money and will be good stewards of this resources so that it gets to where it needs to go. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, many of the uh, cities and towns uh, that, that are worst off, um, you know, have not done an audit in years. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to get, it's hard to get USDA money. <laughs> when you don't have an audit or when you have a, a history of not paying back your debt. Um, so no matter how much your Congresswoman is trying to you know, funnel money down there, unless we are gonna be good stewards of those resources and make sure that they go straight to the people who need it, um, that's a problem. But look, I welcome uh, the DOJ uh, investigation. Um, and as I told the DOJ, Look, uh, I, 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 if, you're, if you're coming down to tell me that there's a problem, I already know there's a problem. And if you're right. coming down to say that that problem exists because of systemic racism, I can tell you that's true too. <laughs> and so, um, because, you know, it, it is true. But having said that, I want the federal government to be a part of the solution, uh, not just identifying the problem. I can't tell you how often people come with, with these research grants to come down to the Black Belt to research our problems. What we need are partners in the help to find a solution. So one of the things that, um, that I've been working on is a consortium of engineers, uh, both at the University of Alabama, South Alabama, Columbia University, um, putting together the best of minds to, 
come up with a decentralized wastewater system. Well, what do I mean by that? The problem that exists most are in these remote areas of Alabama where uh, more likely than not people inherited land. Uh, it's not connected to, a, to the county water and sewer line. They're not connected to the city water and sewer line. They can't afford to necessarily buy their own septic tanks. And when they do get them, they're not able to afford maintaining them. Uh, and there are clusters of people who, you know, may have sharecropped the land. Now that their family owns it. So you may have, you know, 10 or eight houses, a compound, if you will. And so, you know, but we need to figure out how we can uh, have these decentralized wastewater treatments. I mean, David, if you can, if we can go to faraway lands and, and, and wage war and create in our bases, you know, in Afghanistan yeah. and Iraq, you know, these systems that work for our military way across the water, why can't we figure out some technology that will allow us to do the same uh, here in Alabama? And so we, I've been working with, you know, with engineers with no borders, uh, trying to get the best minds to try to figure out how we can tackle this problem. Is it, it is an expensive problem because the reality is when you have an enclave of 20 people who are not connected uh, to the water, so to take the county line all the way to them would be expensive. But here's what I know for a fact. No one, it, it is about the dignity, basic human right. Every person should breathe clean air to drink clean water in America. And so we have to prioritize just the basic, uh, you know, uh, human needs like that. And irrespective of how much it costs, we should be trying to figure out a way to, to deliver that for every American. Um, we can't spend millions and billions of dollars in foreign aid uh, to help, um, you know, turn on the lights and have clean drinking water and, septic tanks and, and, and water sewer infrastructure for far away lands. And we still have a problem right, right here in, in Alabama and in America. So I, I, I welcome the DOJ coming in and doing an investigation. Um, and frankly, I think that um, the, the Alabama Public Health Department should welcome it too, to the extent that we, you know, but it's not just about finding out if we have a problem and, and, and whether or not it was discrimination that kind of created the problem. Hell, you can, you don't have to give me that money that they're going to be investigating. <laughs> and I can like, I can buy some septic tanks and, and have some churches in Dallas County, give them to the people who really need them, you know? Right. So I, I think that it is, uh, it's a, I welcome it. But mm -hmm. as I said to, um, to the deputy uh, attorney general, uh, Kristen Clark, you know, I want us to be a part of the solution, mm -hmm. not just identifying that there was a problem and that systemic racism was a part of creating the problem do you because think, the reality is that that's true. Right. Do you think the state is incapable? I mean, this is not a, a new problem. This is a, a longstanding problem. Do you think the state has the capacity to even address this without federal help? Absolutely. Now, let me tell you, we're flush with cash. If you can, if you can use $400 million of American rescue plan money for a prison, okay. you prioritize the basic human need of clean water okay. and the ability of, of your citizens to flush toilets. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We, okay. It's about political will. It's about prioritizing this. And it's about, you know, those of us who are helping the federal government deliver these monies, holding the state 
and our governor and, and our law, you know, our elected officials accountable for this. And look, I'm not just pointing the finger at Republicans. I, I, I told you that it, it's a problem when you have elected officials uh, in these counties and in these cities that have had a history of not paying the federal government back their portion of the, you know, uh, their share of the, the, the grant monies that they get. I mean, you know, the, the, the loans and, and stuff that they get. That's a problem too, you know? Um, I, I, you know, we have to all, we have to be good stewards of the resources that we receive on every level of government. And then we have to um, deliver to the people that we represent, not try to use that money for administrative costs or, or funnel it to other needs within the city or the county, but those specific needs um, that the, the, the money is uh, there to, to address. I, I know you, you you're busy, and I'll get you out with with, with this here, and uh, because we really do appreciate the time that you've given us. Uh, but I, I wanted to real quickly because I know you're going to go back and, and and we're going to try to get through the Build Back Better plan. Um, one thing, or a couple of things, really, that I wanted to talk about with that was the. Uh, I, I, to, my, to me personally, I think the biggest uh, thing holding back people from the job market right now is child care. Um, I, I think that we have uh, child care has, has advanced to the point where it's unaffordable for the average worker. Uh, and, and when you're looking at a paycheck for, for $700 and a, and a daycare bill for $700, well, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, you can't eat. Um, and so I think people have found other solutions to that. Uh, and I think that's most important. And I don't think there's, there's disagreement among uh, Americans about that. Um, and so I, really, I, I wanted you to kind of just talk about the way that that plan would affect uh, people working people in Alabama. Yeah, you are absolutely right, Josh. You know, um, one of the first things that's being tackled will be child care and making sure that we have enough resources to a pay, pay child care workers a livable wage. That's in the bill. Um, the bill also is about making sure that we're giving resources to working families so that they can afford safe. Uh, it's also giving money to make sure that, that the state makes sure that, these, that the regulations and the compliance and oversight um, is robust enough that we have our children in safe environments. Um, but it also, one of the things that I have um, witnessed personally, um, it also gives resources for home care for aging parents. Now, there are a lot of baby boomers that are now taking care of their, their loved ones at, and usually at home. And, and that is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's elder care, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's still care. It's a care economy. Um, and making sure that these, the folks that are doing this job, these are these very important jobs that are, they're paid well, that they get um, benefits, that they have retirement. I mean, you, all of those things are critically important. And this bill also um, extends the child tax credit. Now, people thought, think tax credit and oh, let me just say the fact that we are now making um, the child tax credit fully refundable means that even people who don't file income tax, uh, because they don't make enough money to file income tax, but they have children, they're now receiving $300 a month <laughs> for their children. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you, the child tax credit, making it fully refundable, paying it out in monthly installments, which we got in the American Rescue Plan, and we are extending in the Build Back Better. We wanted to do it for four years. When, when the Build Back Better plan was a $3.5 trillion plan, it was a four-year extension of, of, of making it paying for it. Now it's only one year. But I want you to know that this is truly transformational. 
not only for working families, but for children, because it's about lifting children out of poverty. It's about giving their, their parents enough resources that they can buy that book bag, that they can actually, um, uh, you know, put better food on the table, deal with the fact that we have food deserts and people have to travel a little bit uh, further in order to get fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables and that costs money. That's something in the infrastructure bill. And you know, while Alabama has done a good job with early childhood education, I'm, and I'll give a hats off to, to that, making universal pre-K for three and four-year-olds, that's transformative. I mean, when I think about the programs like Head Start that really have given um, you know, uh, you know, families with children in low-income areas uh, a leg up, uh, you know, that's critically important. And so that's also in the bill. Um, it is about creating a social infrastructure that will complement the physical infrastructure of this nation. And that's, you know, that maybe that I, I don't, I think that the Republicans are totally wrong in their messaging that somehow um, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that, oh, by the way, Republican senators mm. and Democratic senators put together um, only benefits 10%. That's absolutely not. If Alabama is receiving $5.2 billion, billion for roads, $225 million for bridges, um, $100 million for broadband. And we're one state out of 50 and however many territories. Um, you know that that's a lie to say that only 10% is going to physical infrastructure. Right. If the formula is, you know, and that was just purely by the formula, how much the state of Alabama will get. So, I mean, think about how much New York is getting and how much California is getting and how much, uh, you know, Texas is getting. So, look, I, I, that's, that's hogwash. And it's just simply not true. It's a talking point that is not true. And, um, you know, I, I just really want people to know that I think that Biden has been delivering on the promise that he made. Um, look, I, I, I want I think that so many people voted for Biden to get back to normal, mm -hmm. to have an, uh, uh, a, a, you know, a people, a person at the top that, um, uh, that would actually, you know, uh, someone is that we could be proud of that would, would actually, uh, be a, a president for all the people and, and, you know, who's, who understands how this system works and is willing to work across the aisle to get things done for the American people. And I believe that he has, um, that he's doing that. Um, the American Rescue Plan is an example of that. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Plan, I mean, act as a part of that. And so will the Build Back Better Act. We'll get all three done. But I also want, I can't leave you without saying that the Biden has to also deliver on voting rights. If there's yes, any yes, bigger threat yes. uh, to, our, to our democracy, um, is it is it is this this myth out there that there's that there's rampant voter fraud. The reality is that it's about voter suppression. Mm -hmm. uh, voting rights should not be a partisan issue. As elected officials, we should all want our constituents to have access to the ballot box to to um, uh, you know choose their elected official, not the other way around. Elected officials choosing their their <laughs> their constituents, um, and so. You know, I carry the similar piece of legislation that would restore the full protections of the Voting Rights Act uh, of 1965, you know, that, frankly, ordinary Alabamians shed blood on a, on a bridge in my hometown. Alabamians like Amelia Boynton Robinson, who we finally are, is recognizing and 
but John Lewis and others. And, you know, I never would have thought that 56 years later that I would be in Congress fighting for the same thing. Mm -hmm. It shows you that progress is elusive, that the pendulum swings far to the right, far to the left. And we have to fight for progress to maintain the progress that we currently have and to try to advance it. So that's why I called H.R. 4 the John Robert Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Because not only are we trying to restore preclearance, which would, and, that, and once again, not every state, but only the most egregious states, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that 400 uh, bills were introduced over the summer in 49 different state legislatures to try to uh, restrict access to the ballot box, shorten uh, you know, the window uh, for uh, early voting. We don't even have that in Alabama, as you know. <laughs> We, we, still have, we, we still have to have an excuse to even just vote absentee. Yeah. It really yeah. is ridiculous. And yeah, that's what people are talking about Georgia. I'm like, hey, would y'all take a look at Alabama? I know, <laughs> I know. I, I'm the same way. So look, I think that, and you know, I think that the biggest threat to our democracy right now is, uh, is, is this concerted effort um, to make it harder for certain people to vote. Uh, you know, I have to remind my, my constituents and my colleagues on the cross the aisle that, that the Voting Rights Act of 1965 has been reauthorized five times and under three Republican presidents. Mm -hmm. The last time that it was reauthorized was in 2006 under George W. Bush, and it passed the Senate 98 to zero. What? That's only been what? How many years? 14, 15 years ago? Yeah, 14 15 years ago. Years. Yeah, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 15 years ago. And all of a sudden now it's such a partisan issue that I that that my bill passes the House with not a single Republican vote. And now it's over on the Senate side. And the only way that you can even debate voting rights is if we get rid of this filibuster that you need 60 votes. So a majority of the Senate to even debate to what they call invoke cloture to debate a bill to get a fair vote. I mean, it really is unacceptable. And I think that that the, I know that the folks in Georgia didn't go to the polls and deliver a Democratic president and two Democratic senators um, for us not to get voting rights, um, yeah. in addition yeah. to all of these really important um, um, well, bills. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, if you want to know how unfair things are, just look at the recent maps we've passed here in Alabama and, um, and look at the, the districts, the congressional districts, where you, again, will have the only uh, majority-minority district um, and, and because they've, they've packed in minorities into one district. And uh, you can see it with the, the funny little squiggly lines and fingers that snake up in through eight different counties mm -hmm. and, um, and, so, and you know, leave people who live across the street from one another with different representatives. And it's a, um, that's how we are. But listen, we... I know you, you've given us an extra amount of time oh, yeah. um, and, and it's been great. And, and I, I really, Absolutely. I do appreciate the work that you've done and the work that you continue to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it does mean a lot to a lot of people and, and it's very important. And I hope that people realize it and understand it. Uh, but we, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about things. Today. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for, um, for trying to get um, both sides out there. And yeah. um, I will continue to roll up my sleeves each and every day. Um, to uh, fight the good fight on behalf of all of the American people. Um, because at the end of the day, um, this great, more of us should benefit uh, from, the, from the, the harvest that is America. And um, I know that my constituents deserve 
uh, to have a, a, a more equitable share of, uh, of, uh, of, of these benefits. So we'll continue to make that fight and to give it our A game. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that is you. Congresswoman Thank Terry you. Sewell. And uh, yeah. we really do appreciate her coming on. It's, uh, it's always great. She is. Uh, is just a, a class act in, in the class of the state. So yeah, uh, we're going to slide out. Uh, we'll come back and uh, wrap this thing up here on the other side of this. Right back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Uh, sorry, right, right before we started doing this, I got a, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, from the producer. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the damn plane's in the air, man. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Professional show. Professional show. Well, I appreciate uh, Representative Terry Sewell coming on with us. That, uh, uh, very, very nice of her. But, uh, but let's uh, wrap this thing up here. Um, you know, one thing that I, I wanted to talk about was, um, I, you know, it kind of goes back into some of the stuff with the infrastructure plan and build back better stuff uh, that's gone on um, you know, from the Biden administration. And that's, you know, the way we have kind of recovered from, you know, pandemic and, and an, another economic catastrophe uh, made possible by the Republican Party uh, being in control. Uh, the economy is actually pretty good. Um, I, I know that that may be breaking news and some people have probably just like driven off the side of the road. If you're listening to this in the car or wh wherever, you know, if you just, you know, come to full attention here because this, that's not something apparently that we say, uh, is that the economy is pretty good, but by most measures, the economy it's pretty freaking good. Uh, mm -hmm. you, I mean, you've got a, a lot of spending, uh, which seems to indicate a pretty high level of consumer confidence on things. I know consumer confidence had taken a hit, but I think a lot of that has, has been due to uh, a lot of negative stories about the economy, mostly related to gas prices and, uh, and inflation concerns. Now, obviously, inflation concerns are very, very real and warranted. I, I, I don't disagree with that. However, Inflation, as much as it has been, has not slowed down spending at all. Um, as a matter of fact, it increased at higher rates than expected. Uh, employment is uh, is going through the roof and is expected to be at all time highs by the time the midterms roll around. And most economists, take a, a, a taking a long term view of the economy, see things as easing back off the the inflation and that things were going to really improve over the course of the next two to three years. So. The hell is everybody running around with their hair on fire about? Yeah, well, it's the politics of it, of course, you know. Um, but I think you make some good points. Even though uh, gas prices are high, and uh, there may be some prices rising also in terms of produce and and, and various mm -hmm. consumer goods. Uh, you know, jobs are up. Mm -hmm. You know, business seems to be flowing un, un, uh, uninhibitedly. I mean, I, you know, I'm a small business guy. You're a small business guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about you, but I've actually seen uh, an uptick in business for myself, uh, you know, this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, um, and, and it's come from some unexpected places too. So I just, I, I don't, I don't, you know, and I think, I, you know, I thank God for the blessings, but I just don't see the, um, I don't see this as a catastrophic time period as a small business business person. Now, you know, I'm sure 
that there are always levels at which people suffer and struggle. Mm -hmm. That's in good times and bad times. You mm -hmm. know, it's the nature, unfortunately, it's the nature of capitalism as we practice it in this country. And I right. think that's why, you know, we need to, we have to do some things to mitigate that. And that's why this infrastructure plan is good. You know, I'm, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at a story, Josh, that talks about the billions of dollars that Alabama is set to receive. Billions with a B, not millions, billions. Mm -hmm. You know, for everything from uh, highways and uh, bridges to broadband, uh, public transportation improvements, um, you know, some, some sort of future-looking things like the expansion of um, charging stations for electric vehicles, water infrastructure. Um, I know that there's going to be also some money that's going to help areas like Lowndes County that we've talked about with uh, state, uh, with uh, Congresswoman Sewell in the state, the lower part of the state. Um, so it just, um, you know, We've got we've got some great opportunities here. No, no, you're you're right. Um, we're we're going to have a lot of money, um, and and a lot of all over the country, they're going to have a lot of money, um, mm -hmm. you know, to to do things with. And and this is not. Uh, I want to make clear to people too, because I think that there's some misconception here about this money that's coming uh, in the infrastructure plan. This is not money. Uh, as the CBO and some others have said, that is go that it's going to increase inflation in the country. They have already taken a look at this and and determined that this is not that it's not going to exacerbate the inf uh, uh, the the inflation that has taken place uh, to this point. Uh, and I think um, let me tell you something else that I think. I think a lot of the inflation is bullshit. Uh, really? I think it okay. is. I think it's along the same lines. But you remember when they when they passed Obamacare and there were all these companies talking about, oh, that we just can't we just can't pay the fees. Oh, mm -hmm. the, they're through the roof. And we found out later that that was all horseshit. That it was all they weren't doing that. They just didn't want to pay those anymore, and they saw it as a cost saving measure. So by using the cover of Obamacare, because Americans are stupid about how healthcare works and how health insurance works, uh, by and large. They would use that as cover so they could blame Obamacare and on the backside of that, cut off employee health care options or jack up the prices to the point where their employees didn't take it. And they didn't have that expense any longer. And so it looked better on the bottom line to the to the stockholders. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of that is happening right now. And you can look at it in gas prices. The Biden administration this week uh, asked the uh, the Federal Trade Commission to take a look at uh, the the increase in gas prices outside of the normal refinery cost uh, there because they should be at this point about 30 cents. They're, they're right now about 30 cents per gallon more than they should be, according to the cost of refined fuel that's out there. So, mm. uh, so we're getting hosed by about 30 cents more than we should. And in the meantime, those companies oddly enough, are making huge profits, which is weird, right? Isn't that mm -hmm. crazy? Also mm -hmm. the same for a lot of these retail stores. Target just reported its greatest quarter ever, mm -hmm. which is crazy with all these supply chain problems. It's just driving up prices, right? How is That's that good. possible? If, mm -hmm. if, if everybody's in this together, if inflation mm -hmm. is killing everybody, how is it possible that these things 
are costing so much money for consumers, but not that much for the stores that are selling them to the point where they are killing it price-wise. Hmm. I don't uh, understand. That's a good point. Good point. You know, good and point. I think so. I think what they're doing is they're using the cover of all this inflation uh, to jack up prices to the point where they're making a record profit off of off of a lot of things. When yeah, are there supply chain issues? Of course there are. We all know that that you can't get certain things at certain times, and and uh, the shelves are empty. God knows, I'd love to have a nice bag of baked Lay's regular chips, but I can't find them anywhere because they apparently <laughs> don't make them any damn more. Is uh, that the example that you want to go with? That's the example I'm going with because that's affects the moon household. Okay, all right, all right. That's uh, what affects me, baby. And somebody I can't, go, somebody yeah. go get Josh some Lay's potato. I chips. can't get my lay my baked Lay's regular potato chips. Oh, or I'm sorry, baked my, Lay's. My yeah, baked. baked. That's baked. That's the key. Or, or my diet Lipton uh, fruit teas. That's what I'm looking for. Ah, uh. yeah. Fruit teas. They are, it's a berry, berry flavored. Berry flavored. Uh-huh. Yeah. Berry flavored uh-huh. green tea. That's what it is. I can't find those. First problems, baby. First Listen, world problems. It's, I don't know why bad things happen to good people like that. Okay. <laughs> but that's what's happening to me over here. All right. But I know I'm serious though. I mean, look, I, I, we of course know that there are some, there are some supply chain issues with, with stuff. Yeah. All right? There are, there yeah. are some, but yeah. I don't think they're to the degree. That has been made out because if there were, then these stores would also have the problems. The sales would be down. All right, you wouldn't be making record profits during this time. You would. They would have these issues. They wouldn't be kicking back money to shareholders. Oh, hand over fist right now. It, I mean, it's it's insane to me that we're that we're continuing to accept this nonsense and nobody is questioning this. And they're just like, well, that button and all of his free money. Kiss my ass. You know. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, really, I think dude, you make a good point. I think you make a good point. The dude and, drug uh, every, this whole country be... out of a out of a pandemic and, a, and an economic crisis yeah. the, of of Trump making, uh, and you know, well, isn't that isn't that sort of like a uh, a business axiom uh, or a political axiom for sure? You never you always take advantage of a good disaster or a crisis yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think, let a good disaster go to waste. Yeah. yeah, there it is. There it yeah. is. That's the axiom. Yeah, don't let a good disaster go to waste. So I, you know, it would it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, again, and I think I said something about this in the first part of the podcast. Capitalism, the way we the way we execute it in this country. <laughs> Uh, it's just sort of, it's this, it's predatory by nature. It mm-hmm. always has been. Yeah, and know? we reward predatory. Yes. We, yeah, we reward it. We laud it. Yep. Um, you know, we, we, we think we almost seem to, it almost seemed to be baked into the psyche of our country that if a person achieves a certain level of success, it's just almost divine right that they get to screw everybody else or to hell with everybody else and their struggles, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've seen, I've seen it a thousand times in my life and can cite some examples. So I, I feel you on this, that, you know, it's the nature of the beast. And until, until we, as a people, and when I say people, I mean, voters across, you know, partisan lines, racial lines, what have you, until we decide to start saying, stop it mm-hmm. and hold, hold these people accountable, yeah. you know, and and we don't we you know we lost Ralph and I'm not saying that he was the the best example of 
consumer protectionism, but but protectionism. But he did champion the consumers, Ralph Nader. Yeah. You know, we don't have a Ralph Nader today. You know, yeah. we don't. At least I don't. I can't think of one. I, Somebody, you know, about the closest, maybe Katie Porter or, or Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, maybe maybe one of those. Well, guys, Elizabeth those Warren, folks. I think is a well. Okay, yeah. I, I would say Elizabeth Warren for sure, but. Yeah. Um, but Man, even Katie Porter is <laughs> Katie Porter does that. Do, do not be questioned by Katie Porter. She will, uh, she will, she'll rip your heart out, uh, and, and then hand it to you and make you eat it. Uh, you know, it's, and then charge you for eating it. Yeah. Charge you for eating it and give the, you know, give part of the, uh, the proceeds to a, to a needy family. Uh, but it's, you know, I, you're, I think you're right. I think you know that there, the, the we've we've entered into this uh, into this phase of American economy where greed is is rewarded. Uh, mm-hmm. The the wealthy or yeah, it just am I am I crazy to think? I, I recall my my grandparents being I don't want to say ashamed uh, of having some wealth, uh, but but certainly took took great care not to flaunt anything mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. took took great care not to to make sure that they didn't they didn't seem above anybody um mm-hmm. you know and and uh you know to, i just remember though the the conversations that they used to have and it was it, there there was that seemed to be the the sense all around the country at that time where it wasn't you, you know a working person was you know, was held up as the almost the hero of the country, and the wealthy people were almost a, a scourge. You know, they they were just they, you didn't they, they were almost villains. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you know oh look at you know the the wealthy money bags people were you know those were the evil villains, and now it seems to have flipped somehow or another. Um, and yeah. weirdly, it's flipped with working people. I just don't yeah. understand how this happened, where they hate each other and think that the wealthy guy is the dude that's going to save them. I don't. Well, they, they've been okie doked, right? I mean, it's yeah. just it's it's the same playbook. I think I I I don't think it's really any different than what happened a hundred plus years ago. You know, with the Alabama Constitution and other examples. You know, it's divide and conquer the okie doke and. And of course, there's always the uh, psychologically, there's always this this sort of scheme that they use where they they try to make sure that you understand that, okay, you may not have what I have, Mm -hmm. but, you know, but at least you're not that guy over there. Yeah. You know, or that guy over there is the one who's really trying to get your stuff, not me. Right. You know, yeah. You yeah, know, that yeah. Kind and of you're stuff. just a just step works. away from being a rich person yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? If it yeah. weren't for that guy and yeah. his attempts to get your stuff, not me, right. but that That's right. guy. Yeah, that guy. Uh, I've already got it. I don't need yeah. it. You know? Yeah. You know? Oh, well, I, I just listen. I, I just wanted to say I, that about the, the economy. I mean, because you look around, things are pretty good. Uh, you know, things are by, by pretty much every normal measure. Yeah, you wouldn't know it by reading uh, some stories in national media, but it was a uh, thing. Things seemed to be to be going okay. Um, right wing nut time. Yep. Uh, and uh, we, I, I know we have, we've had this guy as our right wing nut before. Uh, I can't remember what for. Uh, but I'm sure it was something egregious, one of his egregious sins. Uh, Matt Gates, uh, Florida congressman, which basically Alabama congressman because he's in the panhandle. Um, but yeah. um, same constituency. Uh, he has um, this week and uh, said that he would like to have 
the Kenosha shooter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to say his name. Uh, as a congressional intern, he would hire him. He said, as his mm-hmm. congressional intern, assuming of course uh, he does not go to jail for murder. Um, and that that um, I, I don't even know what to say about that. You know, really, I mean, I'm I'm kind of at a loss because the only qualifications this person has for an internship that would normally go to, to a top student somewhere. Um, you know, a kid that, uh, you know, probably a kid with some connections sometimes, but, but usually typically they're, they are students that are, they're at the top of their class. Um, the only qualifications he has is that he shot some people. Um, and, and for that, because he shot quote unquote thugs, um, you know, he has become a hero to, to some people on the right. Um, you know, the, he, he took a, he took a gun illegally uh, mm-hmm. across the state line. Well, uh, let's start with the fact that he was 17, yeah, 17 years old, um, 17 years old. Did yeah. So how did he, he even a, get the gun? And it was illegal. He got somebody else to buy yeah. for him. Um, yeah. uh, so he, he illegally obtained the weapon, then illegally carried it to, to a, a protest area. Uh, where they were having they were having protests, and during those protests, uh, you know, there there are a number of stories and a number of things that took place. But you know, he inserted himself into a situation where there were there were protesters, and he didn't have, he had no stake whatsoever in any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he claimed he was going over there to provide medical services, which he was not trained to do at all. And who the hell who's injured wants a 17 year old with no medical training working on you. Um, and he, uh, and to protect businesses, which he had no idea and no investment. And, and why would he even protect them? So, mm-hmm. um, so he basically wanted to arm himself and go over and, and start a fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted. He wanted, he wanted to put himself in the middle uh, of a conflict. Don't to play uh, hero. Yeah, because he he didn't like the people, race or not. I don't know, uh, you know, but he didn't like the people who were protesting. And so he wanted to insert himself into a conflict. And mm-hmm. so that's what he did. And, you know, you can say to me, well, he feared for his life legitimately. And to a point, I can almost agree with that. You know that he he probably did fear for his life when when all this was taking place and uh, and uh, it would it had spiraled out of control, especially after he had shot someone and people yeah. were trying to chase him down uh, and hold him screaming, there's the shooter, there's the shooter. You know, he probably did fear what was about to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some responsibility on his part. And, and I don't think that's out of line with what the, the majority of American people think. I, I really yeah. don't. I mean, uh, this, this kid was, this kid was somewhere he wasn't asked to be doing something he wasn't asked to do and was doing it using something that he wasn't even legally allowed to have. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just wrong all kind of ways, you yeah. know? And by the way, uh, Gates, uh, you know, the, the actual focus of, uh, of our right wing nut of the week designation, uh, was, uh, I think we talked about him before because of his connection to Joel Greenberg, the, uh, the guy oh, yeah. who was uh, who pled guilty to sex trafficking of a child and and other felonies and uh, and Gates, I think I don't Gates know. Gates under investigation too, right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I think he's yeah. still under investigation. I, I have not heard that he's not. 
So I'm assuming he still is being investigated. Yeah. Well, uh, it, you're right. And I mean, it's just a, but it, it's all it is, it, is this performative, you know, shit show from Republicans. That's all it is. I mean, it's really, it's just, he's performing for the cameras gates. I'm talking about by saying this guy who we've now turned into a white folk hero because he went to the protest where people were looting and burning and rioting. Uh, but you know, because of some awful things that had taken place that caused some of the, some of the protests, which not, of course, everyone, as a matter of fact, have been proven pretty well in court uh, that the the people that he shot were, were some good folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, I, I just, I mean, that's all he's doing though, is, is that he's, he's trying to, to appease this crowd of mouth breathing morons uh, that vote on, uh, you know, racial issues and mm-hmm. uh can be divided very easily uh by these type of issues and that's that's who he's chasing after and well, he's it, that's the only reason he's that's the only reason he would hire this kid is because he shot two people yeah it's his brand i mean this is his brand mm-hmm. he's he's um you know he he got into that uh uh tussle with uh reverend al sharpton uh during a congressional hearing i mean this is what he does i think he uh, he looks for ways to exploit race and conflict in a way that burnishes his his bona fides with uh, you know that that wing of the Republican Party, which is really not just a wing anymore, but I think it seems to be the <laughs> yeah. the, the the main the house, part, right? The yeah. base, yeah. It yeah. almost yeah. seems to be their entire base. I, I I think there are a few holdouts, but not many. So that's what he does, man. Yeah, that's what it I mean. Does. You know, and that's why I tell people all the time. Listen, if you want to tell to me, uh, if you want to just take that video of that kid running um, and and being chased down by those folks and say, well, he was clearly fearing for his life, and that's why he shot people. Oh, okay, but what what about the video that starts way back? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that mm-hmm. led to all of this. Um, you know, I and there's got to be uh, there's got to be some some consideration paid to all of these other things uh, that that took place prior to that to that one video that everybody loves to play on loop, um, and the fact that he was there uh, illegally with a weapon. Uh, that mm-hmm. that also has got. There's a reason why that they, they that weapon was illegal for for 17 year olds. There's a reason for that. So, yep. uh, and by the way, the judge in that case is a crazy person. Um, wow. He is a trip. He's a yeah. stone cold trip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, throwing out, throwing out the weapons charge. The one thing I think everybody could agree on <laughs> was, uh, I, you know, I, I think mm. everybody was like, yeah, he was there with a the gun illegally. Uh, and he was like, up, oh, tossed it. See ya. Um, mm. and just the other things that he said and done. It's just crazy man it really is and yeah it uh, sounds like that judge has been there i think they say he's been in place there for some really ridiculous period of time 30 40 years or something i can't remember and i think he's about 70 he's in his mid 70s or something it yeah. sounds like it's time for him to go to yeah me. yeah it you is know? and and it's you know i i'll say this i, I defended him earlier on some stuff because you know, uh, some of the people were upset about some of the rulings and things that he made. And, and I thought that some of them early were, were along the lines of, of his past, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his past record of, of being uh, a judge that was more inclined to make the prosecution 
present its case in the same way that the defense has to do things and to not rule unfairly for defense lawyers, uh, but to actually hold a, you know the, the prosecution accountable and not give them leeway on things. And so mm. I, I felt like that, if we could get a lot more of that, we would probably have less people in prison for on bullshit charges. Um, but we, we don't have that a lot of times. And according to lawyers who practiced in front of him, a, a defense attorney said, mm. hey, listen, this guy was pretty fair to us about things. And this is kind of typical for him. It's kind of a typical ruling uh, that he wouldn't allow them to have a special advantage on doing these things. And so that's the reason why he's ruled against it. Uh, it's kind of like calling uh, the victim. You know, one thing is the victim's deal. And listen, I, I honestly, I understand the man's ruling uh, on that. Um, you know, after he explained it, I was critical of him to begin with, but I, after he explained it, it's, you know, I understand what he was coming from. It biases a jury in his mind. It biases a jury to say that these people were victims because it automatically implies that there was a crime committed. Uh, and you're there to determine whether a crime was committed. And so he felt it was unfair to the defendant. And they said he makes similar rulings in his court like that. Um, and so he stuck with his precedent on this for other cases. And, you know, I, is it, did it hurt? The, the prosecution of this guy? Yes, it did. Were those people victims? I believe they were victims, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I understand his position on this. But the other things, not so much. Not so much. It's, it's gone kind of off the rails. And, um, and I think he's given too much leeway and made it kind of impossible at this point for the jury to convict him. So, hmm. But I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll they see sure do seem sure. to be in that room for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. See, greatest show. How much do you think we should charge? (laughs) Five, ten. Well, I don't. We got all this. We got all this infrastructure money. Couldn't we be considered infrastructure? (laughs) Sliver off some for a certain local Alabama podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, hey man, a little something for the effort, you know. All right, I'm going to start calling you Mike Hubbard now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mine is legal. I, I, I don't mind a kickback as long as it's a legal kickback. A legal right? kickback. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are going to slide out of here. Uh, and not next week, but the week after. Yeah. Uh, yeah, y'all be safe out there. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, everybody, just wanted to remind you, if you would, take a moment and go to your favorite podcast destination and leave us a nice review, if you would. Uh, Also, don't forget to rate us if you get a chance. Uh, That would really, really help us out a whole lot here. And, uh, you know, maybe we could earn some money off this thing every now and then. Thanks a lot, guys.